Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. This podcast is made possible by the Promethean Project, a nonprofit wellness center creating a one stop shop for mental, physical, holistic health and wellness. For every $100 raised, the Promethean Project is able to help one person in need through different programming, such as the Ryan Odeon Leadership Initiative, the Jared Koslick Mentorship Program or the Strengthening Healthy Families program. Please visit the prometheanproject.org backslash donate to help us make a difference. Welcome back for episode 11. As always, Steve Opolinik talking with you today um episode 11 was a lot of fun it's probably one of our longest episodes i actually got to sit down with my good friend martin he is currently all over the place Uh, a couple years ago he decided to leave his job in boston massachusetts training to travel the world Uh, he's currently over in chiang mai thailand and is enjoying the heck out of himself now Martin and I kind of jumped around a lot in this episode, uh, as evident by the fact that we don't really get into introducing him officially until towards the end of the episode. We go right into it with nutrition, how we met, we talk about programming, calisthenics, culture. We spend a lot of time talking on the culture of calisthenics in general, but then also talk about hip hop and talk about the culture of many different places in the world one of his most amazing ideas was to shift gears from a specific set of uh, skills that he was honing when he was in the states he used to run street workout magazine but found as he moved forward his philosophies and ideas changed a little bit and now he is working on his own website which is not out yet but i'll keep you updated when it is and he's going to be combining his loves of traveling, of culture, of exercise, and just how to live a life that really celebrates and enjoys life rather than commits to a nine to five and, and you might be miserable. But before we get started, there's something you guys should know. In the episode, Martin and I actually talk about the Wu-Tang name generator and how Childish Gambino got his moniker from that. And after the episode, we both actually went on the name generator and and got our Wu-Tang name. So you might hear Martin in the future be referred to as Erratic Madman. That is his Wu name. 
and you can henceforth call me Designer Impressive. So with that, uh, I hope you enjoy episode 11. It starts now. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Let me put my game face on. Hold on. All right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're at episode 11 of the podcast. Today, our guest is Martin Dubovic, also known as Barstruck Martin, also known as Calisthenics Nomad, right? Yep. Um, any other names? I like the Calisthenics Nomad. I like, I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I, I kind of made that switch just when I started this whole like digital nomad lifestyle. Um, I just felt it was more appropriate as far as defining wh- what I grew into, right? Like right. we're constantly uh, transforming as individuals. And uh, so I changed my IG name because it was Bostruck Martin for a long time. And that's just because of my association with the Boston-based calisthenics team that I co-founded. Right. Um, but uh, as I was leaving, you know, Boston and I knew that that was going to kind of disband, it just made more sense for me to to pick something that was more, you know, appropriate for that stage of life. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it, man, because, uh, you know, I'm going to hijack this before you introduce yourself, but I like it because something I found in all your videos online and, and just your philosophy is it seems like hip hop has a huge basis on some of your background and the idea of having these AKAs or, or different names like this really, you know, touches me in that way because I grew up on hip hop too, really big fan of it. And I, it's kind of like your own version of the Wu-Tang clan, right? You know, everyone has like monikers up to like yin yang, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. That's why I wanted to lead with that because I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool. He's got these names." So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I didn't really make that connection. But now that you said it, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, that's almost definitely where I'm getting those, or where that influence is coming from, as far as making these monikers and nicknames, you know. Because uh, hip hop has had a huge influence on on my life and my upbringing, um, and so you know I think especially when we're young. I mean, not so much now because we're adults, but I think when you're young, the the genre of music that you're exposed to and that you listen to has has a huge influence on your personality and just the way you see things, your perspective on things, um, which then carries over into adulthood to some extent, right? Uh, so yeah, I do think that actually came from that, even without me realizing it. So it's kind of cool that you pointed that out. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I'm just going to jump into it. You can introduce, we'll introduce you like halfway through the podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, one of my favorite rappers right now, who's kind of exiting the game is Childish Gambino. And he got his name from the old school Wu-Tang generator online. You ever do one of those where you enter your name and it creates a Wu-Tang name for you? No, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> no, I think I think legitimately it's still up there. So maybe 
at the end of this, we can take a look at that and I'll post it on the show notes what each of our Wu Tang names is. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I'd be down to do that. <laughs> so, Martin, you and I met, what, like about three years ago in New York at a progressive calisthenics uh, certification with yep. uh, Danny, who was episode nine, and his brother Al, and Grace, and Annie Vo, and just a bunch of cool people there. Um, the whole squad. And I think one of the things that struck me, I don't know if you remember this, but I think you and I started talking on a break and I think it was over snacks um, because because you were repping like a Trader Joe's bag of like trail mix or nuts with Lara bars. And I was like, dude, that's my that's my go to <laughs> snack. And we, we just kind of started talking about nutrition and, and kind of went from there. Definitely. And of course, we're both from Massachusetts. So yeah, there was like there's a good connection too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So you want to dive into nutrition? We could talk about. Yeah, sure. Let's th- take it in that direction. Yeah, okay. Might as well. We'll we'll say yeah. like you know, I usually end with two questions and maybe after those questions we'll do your introduction. We'll kind of do it backwards. <laughs> you can kind of talk okay. a little bit <laughs> Cool, cool. Uh so in nutrition, I mean that's a I food is near and dear to my heart. Like I love to eat. It's one of my one of my favorite topics to write about as well. Like I basically write about three things, which is exercise food and travel. So food is food is big for me. Um, I also feel like I have a very personal relationship with my food and what I mean by that, and I know you have this as well, um, just from having talked to you is actually I'm very conscious of what I'm putting in my body and kind of just food sources and, and things like that. So um, I've had a very interesting, uh, how can I say, uh, just style of eating and the way my eating has transformed over the years, right? right. Like when I was, uh, gra- when I graduated high school, I uh, my freshman year of college, I became a vegetarian, and then uh, for then I was basically I was a vegetarian for about eight years, um, and then I started eating sushi, and then so then I was kind of just like a sushi eating vegan for a while so like which doesn't make any sense but like basically i ate raw fish and then everything else was like vegan (laughs) um and then around like 2008 um there was more awareness uh, as far as you know uh grass-fed beef and like pasture-raised animals and kind of going back to the style of eating the way that our great-grandparents ate right so um yeah, eating eating animals that are fed on pasture, things like that. So I started eating meat again, um, but I only ate you know grass fed animals that were raised on pasture and raised naturally. Um, and I ate that way for basically all the way up until uh, I started until I started traveling. And so when I came to Thailand, which was two years ago, July of 2017, mm-hmm. you know, in Thailand, I have no idea where the meat's coming from. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, um, so I basically transitioned back to being a, a kind of a pescatarian. So, um, yeah, and it wasn't really a hard shift for me to make because even when I was in Boston still, even though I was eating grass-fed beef, I wasn't necessarily eating it every single day. Like I probably had it twice a week. Then I had like fish or seafood twice a week. And then the other, you know, whatever, two, three days was something vegetarian. So it wasn't really a hardship for me to make. So, so yeah, 
Um, yeah, I know we connected on that, um, as you mentioned before, because, you know, over here in, in Western Mass, we do have some some local farms that we have access to. So it's a little bit easier to, to source the meat that we have. Um, and I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of posting some meals on Instagram just because I take pride in, in, in cooking and, and kind of making them from scratch or, or being creative in how we approach things. I think the other day I posted pictures of some homemade chicken tenders I made. Um, they, they look good. They, <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> they were pretty good. And I used an air fryer and everything for it, so it's, it was pretty on point. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think sometimes people view that as like, why are you posting all this stuff? But I do think the more you can put out there, the more you can kind of connect with people and talk about the ben- benefits or at least start a conversation about the benefits of – you know, ethically sourced food, uh, the differences between grass-fed beef and regular beef, and then, you know, just the different sources of, of plants and animals and their dirty uh, vegetables and, and fruit that are out there and how you should kind of take care and only source certain foods, um, make sure they're organic as opposed to, you know, there are some foods that are more clean that you don't necessarily need to have organic food, uh, have it be raised organic. So I think it's a good conversation to, to kind of put out there. And I know we connected over, I think I posted probably a, a steak or something like that. And we, uh, at the time we're getting our food from a, a local organic CSA. So you could actually go to the farm and see how the animals were raised. So it was kind of cool to, to do that. Definitely a good friend of mine, um, in Boston, he, he goes up to, I want to say it's, uh, around the Foxborough area yep. and he, he gets uh, raw milk from a farm. So it's probably similar. to like what you do as far mm-hmm. as like, cause, and then he picks up, uh, you know, beef there as well. It's grass fed beef and you can see that how the animals, it's the same, same type of thing that, uh, that you're talking about. So very, very cool. And um, the, the cool thing about that too, is um, in my last episode, I had um, this teacher on Nikki Myers who, I love she she's amazing and she said something really pertinent too that I don't think we always think about with nutrition we know about the biological reasons to have good nutrition why it's important for a body we also know about you know some some theories on organic as opposed to grass-fed and, and things of this nature but also when you think about it once you start eating a food no matter if it's vegetable animal or, or mineral or supplement or whatever that then becomes you in a sense, right? And so there's reasons to really find good quality food so it can be part of you. It sounds kind of hokey, but like the the idea is- No, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, sorry, let me f- let you finish your thought and then I'll jump in. But <laughs> yeah, no, <we're> <laughs> but, I mean, like you don't want to take an animal who was traumatically raised and confined in a cage and, and kind of beaten- and consume that because that kind of psyche then becomes part of your body, right? Part of your nervous system. And so I think when you're looking at nutrition, that's a base part, but you also want to look at the life of that animal because then we we take that and, and put it into where we're at. And if we already have trauma or if we already have depression or anxiety, it's going to offset us a little bit too, deregulate our nervous system a little bit. So I think you know, food is really important 
not just for calories in versus calories out or, you know, I need to get that vitamin D because I live in Massachusetts, but because we want to look at how it affects our mental health, how it affects our life and, and put clean stuff into us rather than just, oh, because we're supposed to do this. Definitely. Um, so just to add to what you already said, um, I, I think often people don't don't realize like if you're eating meat from what again you said from an animal that's been let's say tortured and confined to a cage and so chances are a lot of those animals that come from those type of conditions there's probably a high chance that those animals have a lot of unhealthy tissue they probably have tumors they probably you know what I mean there's like there's some nasty stuff going on in there right and then people then you know they chop it up they kill it blah, 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 and they sell it to you right and then now you're eating that and your body's breaking that down and using it to rebuild you. So it's like you're a little – it's like people are to some extent like putting cancer inside their body inadvertently because they're – it's like you're, you're eating this, this flesh from a diseased animal and then your body's rebuilding yourself with that flesh, you know. So right. – um, and I think people just don't don't make that connection, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So just just adding on to what you said, you know, no, I think it's, it's – You know, the tissue stuff is really important, too. I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, I don't mind eating fat, right? Like if I get a grass-fed piece of steak, I'll eat all that fat because I think it's healthy. But if I go out to eat somewhere and I order a steak, most of the time I won't touch that fat because I don't know where it comes from. And and fat holds on to so much stuff, right? Uh, It's the adipose tissue or however you pronounce that. And it holds on to you know, nutrients, but it holds on to, you know, that myofascial kind of theory of the issues in our tissues and and, and things of that nature. And so um, not only are you eating what that food was eating, right, but you're also is holding on to all that negative emotion, too. So, um, you know, I think fat's totally healthy to eat, but you got to watch where the source is coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many just layers to all of it, right? There's like that well, you just said the, the, the emotional, or you could even take that further to like a spiritual as well. Then there's just the, literally the physical like flesh, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's all these layers to it. And it's just, yeah, it's a, you know, we're, well, I think we're preaching to the choir when we talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're this whole podcast could just be back and forth. Like, yeah, man, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Oh man. No, but you know, on a deeper level, um, so I brought up that that our first meeting over snacks because I think that's really pertinent, right? Like we were both in New York. We're from uh, you're from Boston. I'm from Western Mass. And I know that you go to New York a lot. But for me, it was really important to bring snacks with me for the train ride. And I was staying in Queens just over the bridge in like a hostel. Uh, so I was my backpack was just loaded up with like goodies and and then finding like good places to eat um in New York without really being super aware of it. I've gone to New York a couple times. I think the last time was probably for a comic book convention. So, you know, I was eating uh soft pretzels a lot for <laughs> for my lunch and <laughs> I'm a soft pretzel fiend. Um so it was it was kind of cool to to meet a like-minded person. Uh, there and, and kind of communicate around that. I mean, we were already there for calisthenics, which was kind of cool. And I talked to Dan in Danny's episode. I was just talking about how 
when we were first there, I felt kind of out of sorts because uh, there were so many, so many trainers there who, whose job was to train to be personal trainers and do that. And my job is the mental health aspect, which kind of it, it coincides with that. But I, I was really outside of my comfort zone to be in a room with so many people who, whose main job is to train and I only do it part time, you know, with clients. Um, but immediately after introductions were done, I allowed myself to be open where in the past I'd kind of shut down and I just feel it created a really good environment there. Yeah, PCC was was great, man. That was that was a that was a dope experience. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I did want to add one last thing to, to oh, yeah, sure. something that you said, which I thought was great. Um, you know, you said sometimes when you post the food, the food pictures, you're like, oh, I don't know if you know whatever. Someone, oh, why is he posting this? But uh, I recently do you follow Gary V. No, I don't think so. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, Gary V recently said something that basically said don't be – like he, he said don't be self-conscious about what you post. And the reason he said that is because you're posting to a world audience. And so there's going to be someone out there that's going to resonate with what you're posting. So – and, and those, those are the people you want to connect with. Like don't, don't worry about the people that aren't connecting with what you're posting because that's not the people that you want. Right. Yeah. Right? So as long as you're, you're – you know, you, you're drawing the people that – are connecting with you that's all that really matters you know and there's going to be someone out there that's going to resonate that that's going to resonate with them you know yeah so no that's a great point uh, i know early on in, in getting into calisthenics and posting updates of like progress pictures i had that same very that thought of initially oh are people going to get sick of me just posting me doing activities or exercises and then i was able to balance that with i don't really care this is right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's not me posting to be like, hey, look at what I can do. It's me posting to say, hey, look at this progress. I've been really challenging myself on this, and I, I really want to show the update to show what maybe hard work looks like or, or how we can be in touch with how our body works to work on that one second straddle planche or, or front level, front lever or anything like that. Yeah, and it just feels good. You know, sometimes yeah. you're just like, you know, I'm really, yeah, like I worked so hard on this. I'm really happy. So I'm just going to put it up there. Right. And and the cool thing about it too is like, I mean, there's a lot of downsides to social media too. But yeah. I think one of the upsides is um, is it creates this kind of like diary, which is pretty, pretty neat. You know, mm-hmm. like sometimes you go back and you scroll all the way back to, I don't know, whatever, three years ago. And it kind of just brings you back to a memory and it brings you back to that place of, oh, how you were feeling at that that point in time. Or, you know, maybe you read the caption and you're like, oh, I forgot about that. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's like a, it's like a diary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too. Uh, not just for the progress, but to bring you back to, oh, my mind frame when I took this or where I was, was, was this. And it's kind of a, a fond memory in that sense. Yeah, it's cool. I've, um... I guess to, this is a good segue or transition point to, to talk about something that I was going through mentally earlier tonight, mm. um, which is uh, I was I was literally doing what I just described, and I was going through and kind of just looking at all these different posts from the last two years, and I had this really interesting kind of like epiphany because I realized that for the better part of the last two years, I've kind of just is like nonstop travel, right? 
Um, and w by doing that, I didn't get a chance to reflect at all or like process or decompress or, or just do any of that. Cause normally like, you know, let's, you live somewhere and then you go somewhere on vacation and you come back and you're kind of, you know, you, you go back to your routine and you kind of get to reflect. You're like, Oh, I did this. This was cool. And you process it. Right. But when you're just constantly being exposed to new stimuli, like nonstop, you don't get a chance to really process what just happened to you. Right. And I found myself, I was just sitting down tonight and I was going through all these things and I was like, wow, this was so cool. I remember this. And I, I, I feel like I'm going through like this weird, it's almost like, I don't know, like I got hit in the head with like a Mack truck and now I'm like, just kind of like slowly coming out of it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, an, it's just, just interesting. I've just never gone through something like that before. And it's a very interesting process. Yeah. I think, anyway, you know, I, and, and when we get to your introduction, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> how you decided to travel. Um, cause that, those are a couple of questions I want to touch upon cause I think it's amazing. But I think your point too is, is whether it's traveling and you're constantly go, 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 or if it's just in your daily life and you're constantly go, 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 finding that time to reflect is really important. Even if it's after the fact, you know, that's the first step I think. Um, because if you have, you know, being a parent myself, going from home to work to trying to get my nonprofit up and running to, you know, doing the podcast to posting on Instagram to, to try to get the message out there more, you don't really get a chance to slow down and be like, oh, this was a really cool moment in my work or in my personal life. And sometimes just taking that, that point at the end of the day and just reflecting on the day prior to going to bed in between maybe if you're watching a tv show or doing something um just reflecting on that can be so positive and then it can start reinforcing hey i need to live in that moment a little bit more so my my goal for the next week is to spend at least one point during the day in the moment and then the reflection and then you start making that change to be more present and reflecting when you can in the moment That's and then a at good the point. end of the day. Yeah. And then, well, and then uh, let me see if I understand you correctly also. Because what I got from that is by reflecting, you're saying that within, you know, whatever, XYZ day, you found that, I don't know, maybe at these moments you were the happiest or these moments were the most fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So then you can try to focus on those moments more going forward or is that what you're trying to say or did i well, understand you correctly no i mean i think you got one part of it um i think so in the work that i do in mental health everyone expects to come in and a lot of times i met with hey how many sessions do i have to do this to get over my anxiety or depression and i'm always like i don't i don't know dude it, each person is different i can't quantify when you're going to get to this point you're the only one who has that power to start making change. And and then we do some coping skills stuff. We do some processing stuff. We, we look at what might help make a change, how to make a change, how to commit to a change. Um, and then I always tell them, now, I taught you this, right? I don't expect you to go home and boom, your anxiety is gone. What I expect you to do is go home and think about this stuff. And then after stuff happens, maybe you make the same decision as you usually do, start to process, hey, why did I make that decision? Uh, what led to this? Okay, 
I, I process that. I understand that. So next time something like this happens, I'm going to think about it beforehand or do my best to keep this present in my mind and maybe I can start making a change. And so I think reflecting at the end of the day at those points on, hey, you know, this is what I want to celebrate for the day or even, hey, this part of my day really sucked then starts creating that those neural pathways of, okay, how can I change that? Or how can I be in that moment to make that change or to enjoy it in the moment instead of reflecting a week later, like, oh, that was really cool. And so doing that to like reinforce to reinforce the positive pathways. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, you, basically what you're doing is, uh, you know, we have the saying in mental health that, uh, things that fire together, wire together. Right. So the basic idea is classic conditioning. Hey, if this stimuli is paired with this stimuli enough, there we're just going to associate that this happens all the time. And so we're going to go down that path, whether it's good or bad. Right. And right. so I mean, think about forming habits. Right. That's how habits get formed. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I think we can kind of biohack that to say, OK, that's how habits get formed. That's also how we change habits. That's also how we can start making changes in our day to be more mindful at different parts of the day or to, to be there and say, okay, I didn't like this. So I'm going to be mindful in this so I can make a change. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Like being aware when that is coming up again so that you can kind of squash it. Yeah. And then the, the longer you keep squashing it, eventually you'll just squash it all the way down until, you know, it's yeah. uh, hopefully eradicated type of thing. I mean, you know, some, some stuff doesn't go away, right? But, like, we can exert control over it or assert control over it to the point where we can manage it a little bit better. Mm. And that's what we I have an interesting... No, go ahead. Hmm? Uh, go ahead. I have an interesting, in, interesting question for you because uh, as far as, you know, with, with dealing with people that have mental health problems, right? So... Mm-hmm. Well, first, my question to you is when you're talking to them, how much facilitating do you do versus how much uh, like prescribing do you do, right? Like how much do you tell them you should do this versus asking them like open-ended questions that lead them to their own answer? Like is there a 50-50 or like? So I tell people right off the bat that I don't give advice, right? Okay. So I'll never, I'll never tell someone – Hey, you need to do this. What I'll say to them is, hey, this is what I've seen helps some people. So let's talk about it. You know, put it out there. Like I do, I, I, I see a lot of youth. I see a lot of adolescents. I see couples. I see families. So I run the gamut of it. So it really depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm working with a six-year-old, I do a lot more. Hey, this is this skill. Let's do this, blah, blah, blah. I take the lead on that. Um Although some six-year-olds are really insightful and I, and I don't have to keep it that structured. Um, but if I'm talking to other people who are engaging, it will be more of a conversation rather than prescribing or even facilitating. It's, it's kind of led by them. So I also tell them at the beginning is, look, you're my boss, right? You come in here and you kind of dictate what the session is about. And I'm going to meet you in the trenches and help you navigate that, that session. But at the end of the day, like, it's all you. I can just help you learn some skills or reinforce that. And so sometimes if I have someone who's athletic or is on a hockey team or soccer team, I'll say to them, hey, were you amazing when you started hockey? 
no. How did you get better? Oh, we I learned skilled and I practiced. And I was like, that's all we're doing. Consider this your practice. We're going to do some skill building. But you got to take some ownership of doing it at home too, right? If you just went to practice and never practiced again, or if you just went to the gym once a week to work on a skill and never touched it throughout the rest of the week, you're not going to advance at it, which is fine. You can own that decision. But if you want to hit that goal, you have to keep working on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, the answer, I guess, is I don't really – I just kind of let it unfold how it does. And, and I think it's really important on each individual to really see how they like to run the session. Some people really like – will have come in and say, just tell me what to do. You tell me what to okay. do and I'll do it. And then we have a conversation of like, oh, you know, that's not – really sustainable <laughs> so we'll, right, we'll have right, to right. work on it um but for the most part it's just hey what's going on let's talk about it and then i could and then i then we can talk about okay so you want to make a change in this have you looked at environmental factors have you looked at your activity have you looked at your nutrition planning have you looked at your sleep all right let's start there and then we can expound on that that was that was going to be my follow up question to you is uh, and you just kind of you just laid it out there is how much do you like when the reason I asked is how much do you you know give give straight up advice versus how much you know you kind of facilitate them finding their own solution yeah. is because I wanted to ask you the follow up question is like how do you deal with you know if you get somebody that says you know they're antsy they have anxiety whatever. And then you start asking them about, you know, their diet and their activity. And they're like, well, I eat McDonald's and drink like five sodas. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't move at all. And I just play video games all day. So then yeah. it's like, how do you like, how do you tell that person? Hey, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a tough one. And it's something I've really had to, to grapple with is that, you know, sometimes people just aren't at the right place to make changes. Right. They, so. I follow this this tenet in, in psychology, the, the, these theories or stages of change, and that there are different people are at different stages in different parts of their life with different things. And the idea really is the first stage is pre-contemplation, right? So you don't even really know that there needs to be a change. You're just kind of going through your life. You, you've been raised this way or you've decided to live this way, and it's no problem with it. And the second stage is contemplation, like, hmm, maybe I should cut back on McDonald's or maybe I should be more active, but you're not really quite there to make that decision. So you're, you're kind of hovering. And so, you know, in the States, definitely in January and February, those gyms are full of people who are in that contemplative state. Like, Hey, you have this new year's resolution. And that's why January and February are just crazy to go to a gym. And then mid February, maybe beginning of March, it's, you know, more relaxed again. And then, you know, the, the third stage is to actually commit and make that decision. And then from there, that's where motivation comes in. You create an action plan of how you're going to execute. And then it's maintenance until you change that habit, until you change that way. And so there are plenty of kids, especially since I see adolescents who, whose parents are just like, no, you need to go to therapy. And that's, they can make for an awkward situation. Um, I've had one kid who told me straight up that he's not going to talk to me, pulled his hoodie over his head, tied it tight, put double knots in there, just sat in the corner. I'm not talking. 
And, and when I tell them, like, okay, when you're ready to talk, I'm here. So let me know. I'm going to be doing some notes. And if you want to talk, we'll, we'll see what's up. And most of the time they'll start talking because they don't like the silence. They're like, oh, crap, I have to sit right, here. Right, it's awkward for them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to sit here for 50 <laughs> minutes in silence. Ugh. And, you know, and then we'll engage and I'll say, hey, we'll just keep it easy, man. Let's play some cards and just talk. And usually, eventually, I can wear them down enough so they're like, oh, okay, maybe I can get something out of this. And I and I tell them, too, is I can't make any of this stuff happen. I can't, and I tell parents as well, I can't make your kid less depressed. I can't make your kid less anxious. They have to choose to do it. I can't help. I mean, I can't help, but I can't make you stop eating what you're eating or stop using the drugs that you're using. That all has to come from you, but we can navigate it together. And when you're ready, let's do it. And so sometimes what we see is like some engagement and then they fall off for six months. And then they come back. They're like, yeah, okay, now I'm ready. And that's where some of the work can, can happen. But I do think a lot of education is important. So, yeah, if someone's talking about how, hey, I'm really anxious and depressed. I'm going to McDonald's three times a day. I'm playing video games. I'm not sleeping at night. I'm on my screen constantly. I'll say, well, you want to make a change, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'll say, hey, let's let's focus on one one step at a time. So what is something you feel like you can actually commit to? What's a change, right? To to take away the junk food, to get you to move, to decrease the, the video games all at once, that's not realistic. You're going to crash and burn and, and go right back into it. So what's one step that you feel confident that you can kind of cut down on? And then we go from there. Making it gradual so that, yeah, because if, if you change one small habit at a time, you can slowly change their lifestyle. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Whereas if you try to rewire all of that all at once, like you said, just, just, they're going to fizzle out and, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think this is why a lot of, like, diets, right? You can't see I'm doing air quotes, but diets uh, fail. <laughs> like, I read, a, I read a stat one time that all, all the diets are only, like, 2% effective. Right. Only 2% of the people who diet actually keep the weight off and, and kind of make a change. And that's that's staggering, man. Like, that's ridiculous. If you went to a doctor and they say, hey, I have this idea of how to help you. But it's only 2% effect. You would you would think about it and say, no, I'm not going to do that. The the percentage is way off. But but diets are 2% effective for, for people. But it's yeah. a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And so the disconnect, I feel like on that are you have these extremes of how to keep calories low, which is you and I know is, is like calories in versus calories out. Um, barring any kind of like physical abnormalities or gut issues. Right. But all these, all these diets, the principle is cut this stuff out. And that's why there's so much burnout on it is because you go from eating what we call the standard American diet, which is a great acronym called sad or, you know, <laughs> and uh, and we go from that to, hey, no gluten, no sugar, no corn, uh, none of this stuff. And we and people wonder why it's not sustainable, because you haven't take, taken measure steps to to kind of wean off it. And when you talk about gluten, when you talk about sugar, um, when you talk about cheese or casein or, or whatever it is, all that stuff is pretty addictive in nature. Right. And so our body starts to crave it and then we give into that craving and then we're like, oh, we're relapsed. Let's just go back to the beginning. 
and then three months later we do it again but that stuff is addictive because it gives us dopamine right so when people are depressed they often emotionally eat i got diagnosed with an over uh, emotional overeating disorder because when i was anxious and depressed when i was in high school and middle school i would just eat a ton of food and it would make me feel good because it released that dopamine but then i, I think felt i like do that crap. now i just eat healthy food <laughs> <laughs> well they, that's the thing you know it's it's not an issue right if we're eating healthy food the, the trouble for me though was it was a cycle so i would eat i'd feel good and then i'd feel terrible about myself because i was overweight and i just didn't exert control but if you're eating healthy food and you're like hey i'm about to eat a pound of veggies and you know mangoes hey go for it within reason (laughs) (laughs) but that no i mean that's definitely that speaks to me because I, I am definitely an emotional eater. Like if I'm feeling down and I, like you just said, I'll go and I'll buy like, you know, mangoes in Thailand are delicious and cheap. So yeah. I'll go and buy like three mangoes and I just eat them and I'm like, yeah, I feel so good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I'm not harming my body by doing that, you know? Right. I <laughs> well, mean... the sugar, the sugar might be a little bit high on the, if I'm eating that much mango, but still it's not like, you know, I'm not eating like Snickers bars. Right. Your body, <laughs> your body knows what to do with that. And sometimes those cravings are our body saying, Hey, we're not feeling so good. So we need something to, to pick us up. Right. So, so your body is actually really intuitive. And if you can cultivate a relationship with it, where you can listen to it, it's going to tell you what you need. Just like some cravings of chocolate really mean, Hey, you need more magnesium because chocolate's a really good source of magnesium and chocolate in and of itself. If you take all the crap out of it, it's also really good at uh, anti-inflammatory. Right. Again, depending on your body, right? If you have gut issues or if you have health issues, it, it, it's different. Um, but the chocolate itself is a really good source of nutrition. And sometimes our body's craving it, not because of the sugar. Sometimes it is the sugar, but because, hey, I need a little bit more of this. Definitely. Well, whatever that is, I, I need a lot of it. Cause <laughs> I, I, eat, I eat dark chocolate like literally almost every single day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good man i i love dark chocolate yeah it's it's amazing i so my go-to bar here because there's not well there are some options but really not it's not as good as like going to whole foods or something or you know right. whatever so um i just you i go to the lint you know lint the swiss chocolate maker yeah so it's, it's the uh lint 85 percent bar oh dude 85 percent um, i'm usually like 72 85 is good. It's nice and bitter, which is what we need, right? But you and my wife are the higher the percentage. Yeah, I, I love in the 80s, like anything yeah. 80 or higher. But, I mean, I'll have stuff in the 70s. Like, yeah. uh, for example, when I was in Vietnam recently, there's a really, really good chocolate maker there called Maru. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have amazing, like, single-source chocolate. Uh, it's all grown in Vietnam. And they have, like, this – it's like a six-pack of – bars and each of the bars was made it's like wine right so each of right. like the cocoa pods were grown in this like one field in southern vietnam oh, and that was used to me yeah yeah and and all the bars are in the 70s so there's no 80 percent bars right but they're phenomenal <laughs> like they're so good so like i'll have yeah i'll have stuff in the 70s too but i prefer 80 or higher yeah and yeah. i think you know i've touched upon this and 
in other podcasts too, where that bitter taste that we as Americans specifically try to steer away from, we, we like the salty and sweet, but there are three other tastes that, that we should be having. And again, it's your body telling us, Hey, we need these, we have these taste buds because we need the nutrients that come in bitter things or umami things or things like that. And by avoiding it, we're kind of avoiding some of the nutrients that are in our body to uh, function well. And that's where the supplementation game kind of comes in. It's easier to take a pill um, which I'm not totally against if you, if you source your supplements, right? And it's not that big of a deal as long as your body's getting the nutrients to it. Um, but we, we tend to steer away from things we don't like. And sometimes we just have to be like, no, today I'm going to have a kale salad with lemon on it. And surprisingly, like I used to hate greens when I was emotionally overeating all the time, but now I'll throw down on a kale salad with lemon raw. And it's, it's a little bit of a tough digest, but it tastes perfectly fine that bitterness is great definitely definitely i didn't even think of that but you're right it's like we do have these sensors on our tongue and it's like why are they why are they there right right (laughs) so yeah i didn't even think of that and it's because it's our way to interact with our food right so you know what's funny about that 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 theory i can't take credit for it but but what got me thinking about the taste buds was some of these competitive overeating challenges uh, like the hot dog eating challenge and, and things of that nature. Um, yeah, it was like a Japanese dude that used to kill that. I forget his name, but yeah, Kobayashi, I think his name yeah. was something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, 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 Kobayashi. Yeah, that dude was um, a monster. Yeah, and he was he was mad fit too, but he could just throw down. Um, one of the things I read about it is is they kind of biohack their taste buds because when you have too much of a certain taste, your brain would be like, okay, that's enough, but if you could pair that with a different taste, you can trick your brain into eating more or your body into eating more. Oh, that explains that why there's always room for dessert. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Cause yeah. like you could be stuffed to the, you know, to the brim where you're like, I can't have another bite, but then like, oh, we'll give you like whatever, some little sweet piece of whatever. And you're like, Oh, okay. I'll have that. Yeah. If you, if you see some of these um, eating competitions, they'll have something on the side like Skittles or something that's really sweet because the hot dogs are so salty that will biohack their brain into be like, Oh, we can eat more. Um, that's crazy. I didn't yeah. even know that. Wow. So it I, makes, it makes complete sense. Yeah. I, w- I, I don't know if I actually wrote this article or if I just have notes on it. I was, I was thinking about writing an article about that because I think it's important to be mindful how we eat. Um, because if you eat so that, idea i had i don't this isn't quantified or anything but the idea i had was if you eat um one thing at a time say you have like a a chicken potato green bean dinner right um if you eat one thing at a time this actually probably not the best plate to (laughs) to use it on but if you eat one, (laughs) one thing at the time what you're doing is you're telling your body okay i had something that's savory now I'm having like, okay, Thanksgiving, right? Uh, turkey, uh, mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, greens, veggies, whatever. Uh, if, if you're eating everything that's salty first, I'm going to eat the turkey and the gravy. Uh, I'm going to eat the potatoes. All right, now I'm having the cranberry sauce. That's sweet. What you're doing is almost tricking your brain to be like, oh, okay, we can eat more because we haven't had that sweet flavor yet. And then you go back to the the other savory things. So it's really important 
we hear about mindful eating all the time, but also the process and how we eat is really important because if you take a bite of turkey and then have veggies and then have cranberry and then have turkey and you go, it doesn't have to be regimented like that, but if you eat um, different tastes at different times, I think your body's going to register more that it's full rather than saying, oh, we can eat more. And you're, mm-hmm. you'll be more aware of, of how much you're actually eating. That makes sense. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It makes sense. But again, no, I mean, if anyone wants to be a test subject, let me know and we'll put together a smorgasbord <laughs> and we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Cool, cool. It made me, it made me actually think, think about Japan just because of the way they handle their food and the way they present it and how they don't, I don't know, like very rarely, not, I'm trying to reflect back, but they don't. They generally don't like mishmush stuff together, right? right? It's like they'll just make like a little plate for this thing, and then they make like a little thing for this thing, and then they, you know, obviously design it all nicely, and then they then they give it to you. Yeah, and it kind of, I'm sure there's some that thought process that you just described. I'm, I have a feeling it's probably behind why they do that. Or even, I could be wrong, but it, I mean, yeah, who yeah. knows? We're just speculating, but it seems yeah. to make sense, right? Like tapas, right? Small plates. I feel like when I've had tapas, if you're eating from different plates, I tend to register when I'm full more than if I just had, you know, if I ate like a huge salty meal and then I have dessert, I'm going to go ham on that cheesecake because that's a taste. Well, maybe cheesecake because that's kind of salty, but that German chocolate cake or or whatever, you know. Um, But so you actually touched upon something that we've been avoiding for the 50 minutes <laughs> that we've been talking. Is, <laughs> so you were from, uh, you lived in Massachusetts, and then at some point you decided to to go abroad and kind of live your life um, from country to country. Um, but before you got there, I do want to touch about, uh, upon some stuff. So um, you're well known for the Street Workout magazine. That's That's your company, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm slowly transitioning out of it and just kind of building my own like brand, I guess, based around my name, which I'm working on slowly. Okay. Uh, the reason I, I made that shift is because I realized so street workout magazine was going really well. And had I not gone abroad and had I stayed in Boston, yeah. I think it would have really turned into something like I even, uh, you know, a good friend of mine is a doc from team Wingate. Shout out to doc. Um, oh, yeah, man. And, and he uh, he's kind of like the I don't even know what you want to call it creative director or, or the man behind uh, UFL Pro, which is the Urban Fitness League. Mm-hmm. So UFL Pro is basically it's kind of like the the NBA or the NFL of calisthenics, right? Mm-hmm. Or one of them. I don't want to say it's the only one because there's a few. There's like WCO and there's um you know different different kind of like high level leagues for different calisthenics competitions. Um, and right, I mean, I think this was like a few weeks before I left, they were planning on having their big UFL pro event. And this was huge. I mean, like Stefan Marbury was there, um, Mario Lopez, AC Slater from Saved by the Bell, uh, him, uh, Tyrese, like a lot, like this was like a big, big event in New York, you know, huge. And, um, I was going to be one of the, like the basically film people for, you know, Street Workout Magazine with what, with, along with uh, another 
friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a while, but shout out to Rain. <laughs> um, so uh, Rain Bennett, who is the producer of Raise Up the Movie, which is a, a documentary about calisthenics, right. which you should check out if you haven't seen it. No, it's amazing. Um, Anyone who hasn't seen it should give it a look because it, it goes into the culture a little bit more than the surface. So. Yeah, so Rain ended up being kind of like the main, you know, I guess film person. Um, and But I was supposed to kind of just be back there. So I have a feeling, like I said, if I stayed Street Workout Magazine with the help and support of some really good people and that, that were generous to me um, would have turned into something, right? Um, but then I also realized that by me being abroad, uh, I... I'm, I'm not in touch with the culture like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not there. I'm not going to New York. And so it's, it's difficult for me to maintain relevance talking about something that I'm not actively there for, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, you know, what's, what's never going to change. And I'm never, I'm always going to be me. <laughs> so I was like, I just bought my, uh, I bought a domain name, which is my name, martindubuvik.com. And I'm slowly just building out content on the back end. Uh, and hopefully I'll go live by like the end of the year. We'll see. Nice. That's awesome. What, um, you, know, you do so much and I, and I want to touch upon culture a little, a little bit later. Um, because I think that that is something you do really well. We already mentioned hip hop. We, we talked about the culture of, of bar work. And I, I even think in your traveling, you represent culture really well. Um, but what is the premise behind your website? What will it, the focus be on just some of the stuff uh, that we've been talking about or yeah so there's three main components um it's going to be so my kind of my what's the word headline is fitness travel lifestyle so and by fitness really i mean calisthenics <laughs> right. i mean I, I i dabble in other forms of fitness but really it's going to be mostly calisthenics um so there's going to be the the main thing that i've been really working on hard and it's it's very time consuming because I'm making it very thorough, but I'm basically building a body weight exercise library. So nice. I'm going through, it's kind of, um, so if any of you have checked out, uh, Alan, Danny Cavadlo's street workout book, right. um, they go in, it's a great book by the way, if you haven't checked it out. Um, and they go in and just kind of break down all the different exercises. So that's what I'm doing, but from my perspective and my point of view and the things that I've learned over the years. Um, and so I'm building that now. So there's that component. Then the travel component is just going to be kind of like city guides. So all the different places that I've been, well, not all of them, but, you know, ones that I've spent more time in. Right. Um, it's just going to be like, you know, best places to get food, you know, where to exchange money. Like, they're just like practical things so that people go to those places, they can have a guide. Right. And then the last component is just lifestyle is more like open-ended. That's just going to be anything from you know, trying to maybe if people are interested in living this type of lifestyle, like maybe write some articles on that or, you know, it could be diet related or nutrition related. It could be, you know, pretty much anything. Lifestyle is such an open ended word. So, right. That's awesome, man. I, I love that culmination of all your passions coming together. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Like I said, cause I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I have all this content, but it's so just like piecemealed everywhere. Because I worked on all these different things, and it's just everywhere. And so I have all these things that kind of started to grow. Right. But I didn't follow up with them because of – not because I didn't want to, but just because of various things that happened in my life. And so I really did some reflecting, <laughs> as we <laughs> talked about. And I was like, okay, how can I take all of this and, and put it into something that's never going to change regardless of what's happening in my life? And I'm like, let me just 
by my name and that's just i'm always going to be me you know so right. yeah. yeah that's awesome and i and i think i think and i want to give you credit for you were actually one of the reasons we started this podcast because going to the pcc meeting you you were doing some filming at the pcc doing some some interviewing i really liked the creative style that you had or you still have um and, and your approach to things and it really helped me get back in touch with something that i for so long i was just go 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 trying to you know build my family get the non-profit going all that stuff i mentioned before and then this podcast has really been a creative outlet for me something that i've really loved touching into and just doing it for me that's really you you know we're sponsored by our nonprofit, and it's, it's great to put the Promethean mission out there but this is really just something that that's so creatively based for me and it's a testament to to what you do because that that was kind of one of the starting points for me um seeing what you did and seeing how creative you can be about this stuff is amazing oh man i appreciate that that's like that means a lot man that means uh let's do long distance fist bump yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where my camera is there, there. i don't either all right there we go <laughs> Oh um, uh, man, you got you guys couldn't hear, you know, you guys couldn't see that, but that was a, that was a power fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you right now? I'm in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand. Nice, which is uh, in northern Thailand. Yeah. Um, so it, good. It's the second uh, most populous city in Thailand after Bangkok. That's awesome, man. Oh, so yeah. what prompted you to to kind of give up your lifestyle that you were creating, uh, and kind of set across the world? Um, I think it was a combination of factors. Um, I mean, it's something that I had definitely wanted to do for a long time. Um, I think part of it was just leveraging, how can I say? So the cost of living here is way less than it is in the West, right? So if you go on YouTube and you can search any, you know, just type in like Chiang Mai cost of living and you'll see like 50 videos come up because every digital nomad or wannabe digital nomad has done a video on the topic. And so it's a way to be able to leverage Western money in a place that costs a lot less. So um, we can call it geographical arbitrage, right? Um, So here I can live extremely comfortably. Like right now I'm in a super nice condo on the 16th floor. Like my building's sick. I have a beautiful like rooftop pool, gym inside my building, like all the stuff, just awesome amenities. And my rent is like 450 us a month. That's amazing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that couldn't even get me a closet in Boston. (laughs) No. Yeah. You couldn't give you like a cardboard box in Boston. Right. Right. Um, and then just even like, you know, food, like meals. I mean, if I really ate just like purely Thai style meals are like a dollar, be a dollar 50. Um, I don't eat only Thai style. Like I buy other whatever, but just generally like food is way less expensive. Um, I get massages. I mean, I get a massage probably like every day cause it costs $6, you know? Um, and, yeah, and it's just like it, it the the physical effect of that is really healing. Like you don't realize it because obviously they you know, I got a massage before, right? But it's like you live in Boston, you can maybe you get one for your birthday or like whatever, like for, you know, it's right, like a special yeah. occasion thing, right? And it feels good, but the reality is like when you're especially when you exercise a lot like we do, 
you get a lot of tension and your muscles get tight and all this stuff. But even if you don't exercise, some people have a lot of tension just from stress, all these things. And those things build up and you get knots and all these things, right? right? And when you only get a massage that one time, that's a knot that's been sitting in your body for years, you know? So yeah, okay, that therapist like releases that knot. But re- the reality is that like after a few hours, the thing just goes right back to where it was, right? right. But when you can hit that knot constantly every day for like, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, you experience like a crazy release. Like I had a, I had a moment one day where I, I, I can't even really fully describe it in words, but I came back from, from a massage and I felt like this just insane sensation in my back. And I, like I said, I can't even accurately describe it, but the best thing I can say is it was a release. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, not to, I can talk about massage all day, but not. <laughs> anyway, the point is, it's uh, it's 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 just one one aspect of of, of just a, a higher quality of life for a lower cost of living. So that's one one part of it. Mm. Um, the other part of it is, it can free up your time, right, to work on more of these creative endeavors. Um, so there's people I know that live in Thailand that literally will work. I mean, they get by on the bare minimum. I don't want to live like that, but like there's people here that will maybe work like two days a week and then they just live on like $300 a month, right? Oh, like, okay. which you, you can do that. I mean, I don't want to live like that, but you can. Um, but again, it's, it's, it just gives you the, the, the freedom and the, the, the opportunity to work on more of what you want to work on rather than having to go to the nine to five job so you can pay all your bills. Right. You know? Yeah. And then the last aspect is the culture. Is like it's like I just wanted to experience like different different cultures and 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 things like that. And I think again that culture piece, I think you do a great job on Instagram really putting it out there and I think you recently had a post where you were just chilling a river on a rock talking to a monk, right? And uh which was, you know, I reshared that because it's such such an awesome picture. But but the point is about making changes and, and you know, doing things of that nature. And I, I, like I said before, with hip hop and calisthenics um, in your traveling, I think your posts and what what you say represents the culture really well. And I think that's something you do really well. So uh, I like following you. Anyone who likes to learn about different cultures and then also likes beautiful pictures of elephants and mud baths <laughs> should definitely follow you on instagram i appreciate it thank you thank you and i'm, I'm gonna i mean my plan is eventually as once i go live with the site i'm gonna kind of transform a little bit as far as the way i'm going to post because now now it's more it really is like a personal diary which mm-hmm. is what i touched upon earlier you know um but once my cycle's live, what I really want to do is I'm going to take a lot of the the pages. Like, let's say I'm doing a, I don't know, back le- a back lever tutorial, right? So then what I'll do is I'll take a couple images from that tutorial, put it as an Instagram post, and then take a little excerpt, and then you and then tell people, okay, now go back to the site, and you can read more about how to unlock the back lever, right? So I'm going to kind of have the, have the two things feed off of each other. So that's kind of my plan is just to give – give people more value out of my, out of my account, out of my posts. Yeah. So it's almost like you're using your Instagram as a landing page. Oh, Hey, you like this? This is where we house all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Very and cool. just, about, just about giving value to people, you know, cause right now, 
like I said, it's more like a diary. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, yes, there's cool pictures in there, yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. But, like, but like really from like of, of creating value in other people's lives, I don't have as much of that. And I'd like to move in that direction. That's my goal. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Stuff. All right. So we could probably chat for hours and hours. Uh, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I want to, um, I want to work towards, uh, you know, uh, signing off. So I, I usually end the podcast with two questions. Um, they go in tandem. So I'm just going to put both of them out there and answer however you want. The first question or the second, depending on how you want to answer is if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And the second question is, what do you think your superpower is? Mm, those are good questions. I think the first one, uh, is probably fairly i can answer it quickly because i've actually thought about this and i've posed it to people as well (laughs) um so i think my superpowers i'd probably have a professor xavier's power nice um from x-men and not in like a not for the reason of like like and I'm I'm gonna say this is gonna sound it's gonna sound bad when I say it but when I explain <laughs> it so it, it's in order to be manipulative but I don't mean manipulative in the sense of like you know to to be malicious but I mean manipulative in the sense so that I could uh you know influence possibly our leaders to care more about the environment right. you know stop wars like i don't right. know you know like make make positive decisions for the good of of, of all of us it's like um, you, can, you can cut through the bullshit and be like oh okay this is why you're that way let let's address that right 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 now of course that opens up another just totally like more like morality pandora's box because then at like at what point do you draw the line right right because it's like not I, I know that there are some things that, like, for example, caring about the environment, right, and just, uh, like, the Paris, you know, signing on to the Climate Change Paris Accords, things like that. Like, those are important things, too, that we should all care about. But then, at sense, I don't want to impose, like, I don't want the entire world just to look like my vision of the world because then that just becomes a, a kind of di- dictatorship. Yeah. It's like, how, <laughs> right? do you, how do you straddle that line so you don't become Ra's al Ghul or Thanos? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. That's a good one. So, uh, you could have the name Agent of Change could be your superhero name. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, but yeah, but definitely Professor X. Um, and then my, uh, what superpower do I think I have now? I'd say, I'd say that I just have a relentless drive. Like when, when, when I have a, something that I want to achieve, you mm-hmm. know, I have sometimes it takes me longer and I get derailed, but I just give it everything that I have. You know what I mean? Like I, right. once I feel a fire inside about something, I just put like my heart and soul into that thing, um, which I think has helped me a lot in life as far as just being able to accomplish certain things. That's awesome, yeah. man. And and I'd say yeah. you know not to keep going down this route, but I'd say you can see it in all that you do. So. I would agree that that's a superpower, you know. Appreciate it, bro. Can I yeah. flip it back on you? Because oh, I'm actually okay. curious. I want I want to hear what yours are. <laughs> oh man, this is this. You know, I've thought about this a lot. I have a couple answers for the the regular superhero power, um, like what power I'd want. And there are two answers. I'll give you one, and the listeners are just gonna have to wait for the other one. 
Um, okay. I would like to control molecules. Uh, so that way I could, I could have different superpowers, right? So if I could control molecules or other molecules, I could face through walls. I could, um, go invisible. I could float and fly. So it's kind of like a hack of, all right, let me think about how I can get the most out of one superpower. And it'd be able to do that. So that's what I've thought about. That's a great answer, and it's funny because so I told you because I the reason I answered Professor X pretty quickly is because I've thought about this as well. Right. Yeah. And what I used to say to that question was my superpower would be able to take the superpower of any other superhero, <laughs> supervillain, you know. Right, so yeah. it's basically the same. <laughs> but then I realized like that's kind of like uh, whereas you gave the same answer, but you gave it in a better way. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to just be like mimic. I didn't want to want to just say, Hey, I can absorb all this stuff. But I think, I think it's an interesting thing too, when you look at energy work and, and things like Reiki and, and, and different stuff of that nature. Um, because there's so much that you could do with it. Uh, what is my superpower besides looking so handsome? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just my ability to sit with people um, and people and help them work through through things. And I think it's tough because I do it for, for a job that I have to be mindful of when I shut that off. Because just like any skill or talent, it's easy to shut it off when you're not doing the work. And so that, you you know, the people that you love may not benefit from the same ability that you have because you do it for eight hours a day and you come home and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Or even, you know, siblings or mom and dad or aunts or aunts. Um, I think it is you have to straddle that line, too, of, hey, how can I not give all of myself to my work? Because I do think it's something inherently that I do well. And still be present and, and be me with the people I love so that I can benefit from interacting with them and they can benefit from interacting with me too. Mm. And do you think you that's like you said, we could talk for hours, but I do. It's, it's, it's just interesting to me because it makes me think about like those people that are in high pressure jobs. Like, I don't know, uh, the people that work in the prisons, like prison guards, yeah. like their, their divorce rate is super high or just people that work in these types of situations like that ability to to turn that off when you're not at work you know what i mean yeah i uh, mean and their suicide their suicide rates are pretty high too uh prison guards um yeah, yeah and for me the practice that's really helped the most obviously exercise is is a good release for that um but energy work and meditation have really been something i've dabbled with in the past and i'm just getting more into the meditative process because I love doing it. But again, to make it a habit, to make it part of the day, you know, we, we lie to ourselves about it. Like, Oh, I don't have enough time when I just spend an hour watching chopped on TV, I could have been meditating. So it's all about prioritizing. And the last couple of months I've been really focusing on that, doing some, um, what is it? Some float tanks, uh, for sensory deprivation and then utilizing, uh, my own kind of, meditation process and mantras and i just uh, a couple of weeks ago i got this really nice green sandalwood mala and i've been using that the last 15 minutes before going to bed just doing some mantra work to to kind of work through some stuff 
and it's been awesome. What's a mala? Is that like a stone? Uh, mala or? is, um, well, it's like a, a beaded um, necklace or wrap, or, like bracelet. You see it a lot on like uh, okay. monks. I, I believe it started in Japan. It was, it's a Buddhist belief. There's 108 uh, beads. And so you can wear it as, and it has like tassels on the end. And you can wear it as a necklace or I, I wrap it around my wrist just so I have it around me but it's almost like doing each bead doing the same mantra so it's a repetitive nature to kind of work on that um what we said classical conditioning so working on my body i I, you know i have a neck issue from when i fell downstairs as a kid and so i do before going to bed i i have issues sleeping sometimes because of my neck so i i just give my body permission to relax and not hold that tension from the day and okay. each bead and the breath in and I'll say part of the mantra and on the breath out I'll say the second part of the mantra like I I give my body permission to release the tension from the day and then there's a a big bead on it that has the tassels coming out of it it's called the guru bead and once I get around the 108 to that tassel I'll I'll end which I think is really important with mantra work is I have released the tension from the day so making it an affirmative instead of I'm going to and make it actually happen. Gosh, um, and it's a new, you, you know, cool. it's a newer work I, I'm working on, but it's been really helpful. I like it. I like it. I, and I, I have seen monks with those things that now that you're saying it, yeah. Um, I've definitely seen monks around that have it like wrapped around their, whatever their, their wrists or forearm. So okay. hmm, I'm going to look into that. That's, yeah. that's cool. Plus, Thank you. I love sandalwood. The smell is just really relaxing to me. I really enjoy it. So sometimes this sounds weird, but sometimes if I just want to give my mind a break, I'll smell it <laughs> uh, because it's, it's nice and relaxing. And it, you know, sandalwood's a really potent smell and it kind of keeps that smell throughout. So No, it makes sense. I actually, hold on. Well, the, the listeners can't see it, but I'm going to show you. So in Thailand, they have this thing. It's really popular. Um, it's, it's this. Uh, you see and so oh, yeah. basically you open it up and there's herbs okay. and you just and they're like sniffing herbs and so basically it's just like a pick me up so it has all these I don't even know what kind of herbs because it's all written in Thai <laughs> God knows what I'm inhaling I know. But <laughs> that could be the next but, podcast we'll do some research and figure out what you're, you're smelling all day yeah but it's it's uh i don't know it's popular and people it's kind of the same idea it just like rejuvenates you and kind of picks you up i think you know and this is why essential oils are big too is that um people look at it as hokey but your sense of smell is really important to calming your nervous system it, it's incredibly important uh, especially with trauma um to really pay attention to your senses because we ne- we negate our senses all the time and here i do a lot of sense work with with kids for grounding and mindfulness um and i'll ask them what they think like which sense that they think we use the most and most of the time people will say vision the sight and i said that's a fair you know we use our eyes to tell us what's going on but then i pose a question to them like well are you are you using sight when you're sleeping and they're like no and i said well you know barring eye movement and REM and, and things of that. Are you actually using sight when you're sleeping to say no? And then I'll ask them, 
Are you still smelling when you're sleeping? Are you hearing when you're sleeping? Are you feeling? Are you tasting? And they're like, yeah, because, you know, if there's a fire, you're going to smell that. You're going to hear the alarms. You're going to feel your bed if you're uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but I've woken up with dry mouth <laughs> a number of yeah. times and it doesn't taste great. Right. Um, and I just use that to illustrate a point of, yeah, vision's important. And we tend to go through the world with vision, but it's a lot harder for us to pay attention to smells or tastes or, or hearing unless there's like some a catalyst that we can easily identify. And so I'll ask kids in my office, what can you smell? Name three things you can smell. And they'll always tell me, there's nothing in here that smells. And I'm like, oh, you're so wrong. Everything has a smell, but we, we're using our eyes to tell us there's, oh, there's no cake in here. I can't possibly smell anything. Uh, it's like the, the, the eyes are like a barrier to entry or like they're like the gatekeepers of the nose or something like that. Right. And so I think, yeah. you know, people who push off essential oils as hokey, right. I don't think they're going to cure cancer. Don't get me wrong, but I think they have a power to get us in touch with some of our senses and to ease the nervous system that a lot of people discredit. And so I think, you know, I, I joked around about the sandalwood and you joked around about like sniffing whatever it is. That you have in the, in I mean, I don't really know what it is, but it works. Like it makes you feel good. You're yeah. just like, but that, <laughs> that can be self care, you know, and in our society, um, in America, people always talk about how we have time for self care, but it can be as simple as stopping. And I had a post about roses the other day and, and literally stopping to smell the rose outside of my house before going to work. And it, that is self-care and just taking that two to five seconds to actually connect with, with that stuff can, can help us get that space so we can make it through some of the tough times. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I know we said we were going to finish like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know. Well, we, can... we haven't talked in like since we saw each other at PCC. Well, I mean, yeah. we talk online, but it's yeah. different than having an actual conversation conversation. So, right. Yeah. So I, I do want to thank you, Martin, for, for taking the time and, and talking with us. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. And I love hearing all about what you're doing and, and what you're up to. Thank you for having me, man. It's it's an honor. I mean, uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm thinking about all the other great guests you had on. I'm like, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor. I, I really grateful that you invited me on and just great to connect with you. And, and also, you know, I wish you the best of luck in your mission and continue with the nonprofit and, and uh just yeah everything everything else thank you a lot man and uh hey hit me up with that Wu Tang. i can't speak now Wu Tang name generator and i'll include it in maybe the intro or the show notes show notes all right cool all i'll right. google it and I'll, I'll send it to you thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean Project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.